Hello and welcome back to Count Her In. We are so, so, so excited to have Katie on today. Katie is the founder of Viv um, and we're excited to talk about her journey through entrepreneurship. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to have you on today. I've been LinkedIn stalking everything you guys have been doing at Viv and I think it's just so fantastic, the mission around period healthcare and the sustainable products. And I'm super, super excited to get into that. Um, but before we get started, we'd love to ask you, what do you bring to the table today, both literally and figuratively? Oh, I love that. Um, literally, I brought, since it's earlier in the morning here, I brought like this like breakfast cookie kind of snack. Um, and it's actually a sweet potato based cookie and Viv did a pop-up the other week and it was like called the feminist bodega. So everything in the like bodega style shop was a women owned brand. And so I stocked up on all of the different like snacks and goodies there. And one Amazing. of them is this, like local to Boston women owned uh, sweet potato cookie brand. So I have my fridge now like <laughs> stocked up. Amazing. And they've been awesome. That. Um, yeah. And then more figuratively, um, I've a founder of Viv, as you mentioned, which is an earth-friendly period care brand. And we've been really striving to break stigmas around menstruation and increase dialogue and also talk more about the language used around menstruation as well as like who actually menstruates, um, which has been really interesting to see and how our following has been engaging with that. Um, we actually, on Wednesday this week, are releasing a new like merch sweatshirt line um, called our show up line. And it kind of relates to imperfect environmentalism. So a lot of our merch says show up imperfectly. Um, so that's been a big part of this voice thus far. That's amazing. I would love to kind of go back to the beginning of where Viv started and where your entrepreneurial journey started. So we love to ask our guests kind of like, where did you see inklings of the entrepreneurship spirit? So that could be, you know, at the beginning of Viv or even before that, maybe as a kid, you love to go to like, um, like garage sales or you like set up your own lemonade stand. Like, where did you find inklings of your entrepreneurship? Yeah, Absolutely. It's funny looking back now because I think when you're a kid, you don't really think of anything as like entrepreneurship in a formal manner. Um, and it wasn't until like way too late in life that I realized a lot of my family are entrepreneurs in very, very different ways. Um, and my, I grew up in Florida um, and I, uh, most of my family is from Egypt. So I have a very Egyptian background and um, most of my uncles have a company together that they kind of like started from scratch and built. And so they're entrepreneurs and brothers. And that company was like so intertwined into our family growing up. And so I never thought of them as entrepreneurs until much later. And my mother is actually a veterinarian and she oh, ran wow. her own vet practice for a really long time. And so I would always go and like help out and like clean the kennels or like do paperwork filings and a lot of like managing your own like medical practice at a smaller scale. It's very entrepreneurial as well in terms of like small business ownership. Um, so seeing all of this happen, but it seemed very normal to me. And I actually did do a lemonade stand once in my neighborhood and it was <laughs> a really good hit. And I, I was thinking about it the other day because it's so funny. I think it's like a very cliche story when entrepreneurs are like, well, I did a lemonade stand as a kid. It was my first case of entrepreneurship, but I did these like combo box options Ooh. where I would like 
take all of the chips in our house and like put them oh in God. The bags. And I was like, but for a combo deal, like upselling these. Yes. yes. I love so it. Uh, no, that's um, so awesome. That's so cool. I'd love to just kind of touch on what you mentioned in your intro about what you bring to the table about imperfect sustainability. I've never heard about that before, but like what I can imagine is just so fantastic. And like, it's a term that's not being thrown around, but what I imagine it to be is exactly, I think what we all kind of feel. So before I make an assumption on what that means, what does it mean to you? What is imperfect sustainability? Yeah. I think a big component right now is that there's so much ego anxiety happening with like Gen Z in particular. And it seems like there's so much to do, but we're like simply freezing up at times. And we get a lot of frustration towards older generations and governments that aren't doing enough. And um, a lot of times we end up criticizing each other and bringing each other down for doing things in not the most efficient way. And there's this quote that is all about like, we need a million people doing environmentalism imperfectly rather than one person doing it perfectly. And I think hundred percent. Yeah. And it can be really intimidating, like trying to go sustainable and like even entering more of a lower waste journey can be really daunting. Um, But making it seem more approachable and accessible is what Viv has been all about because it's some really simple swaps you can make in your life. And hopefully that translates to other aspects of their life as well. And that's fantastic. Like this idea that there has to be this all or nothing thing is so extreme and it can be very daunting for people too. There's like, it's not even worth it. If I'm not going to just like become a leaf, then like, it's not worth it, which of <laughs> course is not, it's just totally, um, totally preposterous. So what are like, right off the bat, what are like three top things that you say that you and Viv are advocating for about these little imperfect sustainable things that we can come and change with our life? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I would say amongst the three things. So a major component of our actual products themselves is more of like transparency around the ingredients and what they're used. And I think a lot of brands and businesses and like people need to be more transparent in their life. So transparency overall has been a huge thing. Um, we have a fairly plastic-free and toxin-free product line. So that's been a major component for us. The second thing um, is more general, but it has to do with like understanding who we actually are serving and who our customers are. But we have been using the term like menstruator or people with periods a lot more than just women and understanding like not only that that's who periods affect, but like whenever these massive natural disasters are happening, like who does that actually affect? And like understanding the intersectionality between all of these things gets like very complex, but it's better to open about it. Um, I'd say the third, it's it's been a lot about like learning and, and since our whole team is actually Gen Z as well, we're our own target audience, which has been really exciting. And um, we're building a brand like genuinely for Gen Z. And so it's like, we're all fairly young. So we're also learning so much about the like long-term impacts, but I think everyone is as well. And so it's been like open about adapting and learning very quickly. That's amazing. And I love how your team 
reflects your overall mission. So like you're a brand for Gen Z. So it makes sense that your entire team is Gen Z. But I feel like a lot of other brands, they focus on like Gen Z, but then they have like a six-year-old CEO who's like trying to make all the decisions. Yeah. And it doesn't really <laughs> make sense. Um, but I definitely agree like on this idea of like imperfect sustainability kind of bringing us back. Um, I feel like I feel that all the time. Like I don't know everything about impossible meats. I don't know everything about how to make the environment a better place. Um, and sometimes I feel like compared to some of my friends, like I'm not doing enough for the environment, but then realizing that like the small things that I do do are like contributing to a bigger and like better world is definitely something that I try to remind myself of. And like, even though it's not completely perfect all the time, like you're still making small steps is something I think is really important, but, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, okay, how did this idea of Viv start? How did you go from like learning in um, like a school environment, learning about management and learning about business to really applying that to your own startup? Yes. So I went to Boston College from Florida up to Boston um, and I was in the undergrad business school and I wasn't loving all of my business classes. And I had a professor my first year who I think could kind of tell that I was like looking for something different. And um, I had decided to concentrate in marketing, which I ended up doing fully through, which I actually loved all of those classes thoroughly. I loved the concept of brand building and that professor um, introduced me to a new minor they were creating called managing social impact. So not only oh, wow. studying like how nonprofits function, but really studying in depth on B Corps and brands that were actually striving to make an impact and kind of combining the branding side that I was really passionate about and the impact side, like Viv came together very nicely. And it was my senior fall um, at, at Boston College where I was taking this entrepreneurial marketing class. And I mainly did it because I heard the professor was amazing and <laughs> Um, it was like a very convenient time. It was just perfect. And um, I had the whole class was very classic entrepreneurship, like find a problem, come up with a solution for it. Right. So, and I always tell people like that is our whole day-to-day lives is like problems arising and coming up with solutions for it. So it did fit in very well. And at the time I was studying more of like the hygiene space and was looking at the way like beauty industries and the hygiene space was speaking to a, a woman consumer. And most of the time they were really highlighting our insecurities as, and things that like, I didn't even notice about myself were like, get rid of like X problem with oh, yourself, wow, yeah. it's like cream or makeup or thing. And I was like, I didn't even realize like that was such an issue. Um, I know. Right. <laughs> crazy. No, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> once I started diving into like the period care space in particular, it seemed like there were never ending list of problems to solve. I was yeah. the traditional toxins and period products, which some brands were starting to solve at that time. Um, but then I learned that there was a ton of plastic waste involved in period care and being someone who is trying to make these like smaller sustainable swaps in my life, like simple things like bringing your own cup to the coffee shop on campus and, um, I realized that every month I was using an immense amount of plastic because one pad is equivalent to about four plastic bags of waste um, for traditional products. And I I didn't know that. And no one was talking about it. And I was shocked as like a fairly eco-conscious consumer. So I knew there was going to be people like me that were also shocked about that. 
Yeah. That was probably one of the most shocking components that led me to want to start Viv um, was like learning about the lack of understanding I had about the actual products, but also like the period care space in particular. Um, and then there was all these other issues, right? Like who actually menstruates and what are we calling them? Like who has access to menstrual care and the list seemed never ending. And so I was like, great, we're looking for problems. I just found a ton and um, started building like the initial concepts of a brand that is now Viv and really just spent a lot of time doing market research. I even went to like some professors and asked for their help with like really end up surveys. And I would do these focus groups in our like dorm rooms pretty much and put all my friends in a circle and um, would ask them in-depth questions about their period and their period products. And it's so it. <laughs> interesting because um, so many people were like, no one's asked me about my period in depth like this before, which yeah. sparked so many interesting insights, like just in like I'm one sure. long round kind of table discussion. Um, and it's been a big component into like increased dialogue around menstruation because if we're not talking about these traditionally taboo subjects, we're not going to unravel any of the problems around them or the things we don't like. And once we can actually like bring those problems to light, we can then go about solving them as like young entrepreneurs and this like new generation is always looking to like improve the world. So it's very exciting. And that first step is bringing more dialogue to the table. Oh my goodness. I cannot tell you how much I resonate with everything you said from when you talked about like branding to even like the conversations now and discussions, like periods are such a taboo thing, even though literally everyone has one. I was listening to this podcast the other day and they were saying like, you know, cause it all ties into like birth control and all that sort of thing. Like why do women take birth control and not men? And then there was like, you know, and the men who were, because of course, like, it's like inhibiting hormones, right? Like you can inhibit the male hormone too, but when they tried it on males, they're like, no, the pill like makes us feel weird and like lethargic and that like, oh, so literally how every female in the world feels with the pill. And I just thought that was crazy. Like, why does that not exist? Like all these conversations, periods can be such a touchy topic too. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and be vulnerable with myself. Like I lost my period for two years and it was really, really upsetting both for me and also my family, because it almost feels that like being a, having a period is like the most like feminine human thing to have and to Mm -hmm. not have it. You're like, if you want to look at the most biological sense ever, females hold a baby by a lot, like, okay, let's take social side. Like that is something that females can't do. And to not be able to do that is like, oh my goodness, like your, your biological health is not right. That's like your biological thing to do. And it was very, very difficult for myself. And I was able to get it back, which was a whole emotional experience within itself. But I'm curious to hear how you sort of bring that community in because it's sad, but having a period and being a female or identifying as a female are not one in between. They're sorry. They're not, they're not one in the same. So how do you call in people like myself who we're not active perioders. I don't know. We're not actively on their period, but yeah. still like felt like they were part of that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious to hear your perspective on this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's such an important subject. And it's a thing I've like personally become really passionate about is hormonal health and like for biologically for women, a period is a vital sign. And so if we're missing our period or if it's irregular, if we're experiencing extreme symptoms, like that's a window into our overall health and well-being. And so it's like a very important thing. And a lot of us don't realize that a lot of us like 
enjoy suppressing her period by like, you know, taking their birth control extra and like, oh, I don't have a period this month. But I think it has to do a lot with like changing our relationship with our period, which is going to take a while. And it's like, there has to be a ton of education. And I personally have gone through um, like my own hormonal health journey where a year ago came off hormonal birth control. And you took me probably like many, many months to get a period back. And you have to do all of these extra things with like liver support that it has like birth control has done to your body. And I'm still a big proponent of birth control. It's like more of, you should have the access to it. It's more of like, do what's best for your own body. And it's been a really exciting learning process for me as well. Um, but that was a big component of why we wanted to create more products than just period products, because we knew we had a community of allies and friends who don't menstruate that love what Viv was doing and what we spoke up for and just even love just our content. And so many of them were like, I'd love to support somehow, but I don't get a period. And we were hearing this over and over and over again. And we were like, well, how do we engage those folks that like genuinely do want to support Viv or rep Viv in some manner. Um, And so it it turned into more of like using educational content and then creating other products. And we're even thinking about more products to expand our product line into that supplement um, like a lifestyle that revolves around like imperfect environmentalism. That's amazing. I think like touching on two things, like the first um, being like, what do you think is like one message you want to share to like younger people who are like just starting their period. So like, I know growing up, like periods were a pretty taboo topic in my household and we like never really, really talked about it. Um, Like, what would you say to a young girl who's just starting their period and who wants to like change the way that we like view periods? Yes. Oh my gosh. I always think about when I got my first period, a lot of my friends like celebrate and their, and their moms would like throw them a period party or something. I cried <laughs> for two hours straight when I got my period for the first time. Oh I was like, yeah. I have to have this every month for like, until I'm 50, which seems like forever when you're what, like 13, 14, like years old or so. Um, and I honestly look back and I'm like, that was like kind of a rational response to have because it, it is such a transitional point in your life. And, um, I think there just needs to be a lot more education and awareness around like what actually happens because I didn't have a period every month after that. I still don't yeah. like, there's so much misunderstanding, um, around like what actually happens to our bodies. And it's this very like daunting emotional thing, whether it be extreme happiness you're feeling with your family or like extreme, like fear and sadness or like extreme shame, which also does happen quite a bit. It's totally right. Like half the world's population experiences periods in their lifetime. And we still feel that shame around it. And it's like, if there is a woman in your life, there's a good chance they have <laughs> yeah. a period. They've been yeah. menstruating at some point. And um, the reason like life simply exists is because Literally. Like, we're able to menstruate. And I think that's something to keep in mind, which is hard to when you're so young and being influenced like by all these like shames in your life and like your yeah. body's changing. It's yeah. very daunting. Um, I think a lot of like health class type education needs to change as well because I remember growing up in Florida and being in elementary school and I had one teacher really tell us like oh yeah and if you ever need to like 
change a pad or a tampon in cl- like class, just tuck it up your sleeve or like hide it in your shoe and go to the go to the bathroom. And really right. being told to conceal right. this thing at such a young age. Yeah. And yeah. we don't even know what it is. And we're like, oh you my God. Discreetly ask happen. the nurse, be, be, be careful. They're like, discreetly, it's under the cupboard. Like, no, to blow your nose, you're just going to do it out front of everyone. <laughs> like, That's disgusting. Even, That's mucus. Yeah. Like even going to the bathroom and like opening up a pad when like crinkles, like like, I don't know where in my life or like experience, like that became like an embarrassing thing, but like even around like other women, like opening a pad and like hearing that noise, like crack in the bathroom is just like kind of embarrassing. And I don't know why, like it has, like, I, I, I feel like this culture and like what we teach young girls definitely has to change. And like, I definitely resonate with like stuffing a pad, like up my sleeve and like walking to the bathroom in middle school. Cause I was embarrassed that I was like on my period, but I don't know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Calling myself out, but I'm sitting in the toilet and like, you know how many toilets, like a public restroom, there's like a trash can next to it. I like see pads and stuff in there. And I still have this like automatic bias, like, oh, ew, no, why? Like I do that. Everyone does that. Why is that? That should be normal. Like, why is it? And like, of course, I'm at like a sanitation point of view. Yes. You shouldn't like have like bloody stuff around just you should have been all blood shouldn't be around um but the idea of even like seeing the remainers like oh my gosh like someone is their period oh my god like why is that yeah. why is that even a thing that we have to like oh she's on period like no it's it's beautiful it's really it's wonderful to see and like if we compare my my good friend she did a bunch of research about um female menstruation and what goes on in some countries where there's female genital mutilation. It's just like, it makes my stomach turn to think about how, what goes on there. And yeah, yeah I sure. don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Cause that's, think, that's pretty gruesome for me. Yeah. I think like kind of jumping on here, like I follow a period brand called it's August. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. Um, and the founder of the brand, she's like very like period positivity focused and she does a lot of TikToks like showing like actual period blood and she says like or one thing that really resonated with me was like okay in movies we see like blood all the time right like people are fighting like you see blood but like all of a sudden if it's period blood like it's gross it's like not like it's not something that you should be showing on screen and like that's why in like ads and things sometimes they like put like fake blood right like they put like blue liquid to like show like the absorption (laughs) which is which is wild. What do you think are like the first steps or like when you were first building Viv, like what were some steps that you took to like change the environment around, around periods? Yeah, it was really interesting in terms of even like the entrepreneurial side of things. And I'm based in Boston, which does have a really strong startup and like entrepreneurial network, but it is predominantly like B2B software companies and like biotech. And so I would go to a lot of these startup events and even having to give your brief bit pitch of what you do or meeting a new friend for the first time. It's like, oh, what do you do? We're about to engage in this like long conversation about periods all of a sudden. And it's um it's really interesting to see how different people respond to like saying, like, oh, I have an earth-friendly period care brand, like this is what we do. And some people like squirm and seem really uncomfortable. But then some people um, will then transition to just having so many different questions and having like extreme curiosity because they haven't had the opportunity to ask these things before. Um, And so that was like more of a 
pivotal moment for me because I understood how many questions were revolving menstruation, whether it be like a lot of women asking or a lot of men asking. Um, so I think just like understanding that some people just like don't know a lot about menstruation was really insightful and had to take a few steps backwards to say like, okay, since we're targeting a Gen Z young millennial consumer in particular, um, like what do they need to know about their period since not everyone that is in that age demographic has been menstruating for a super long time yet. No, that's such a great point you make. So I guess with that in mind, what would you say is the message that future Gen Z's should learn or hope or a truth that you hope all future Gen Z's or current Gen Z's, future generations know about periods and period healthcare? Yeah. Um, I would say that it's a really robust space that needs a lot more innovation and we're the, the, we're the generation that's going to do that. There are so many problems that we experience around periods that haven't been solved and there's so much more room to solve them. And instead of using that to bring yourself down or inhibit you or feel shame, like use that energy to fuel creativity and like use that to speak out and unify each other rather than bringing yourself down. Yeah, for sure. I think that's such a beautiful message. Um, Kind of pivoting the conversation, I want to say I love the branding that Viv has, like the packaging to the website, like it's all so like beautiful. How did you come up with the concept of that? And what was it like kind of brainstorming through that? Yay. Oh my gosh, I love to hear that. Um, So even the reason we called Viv Viv is because we wanted Viv like to personify a brand to represent a person whether it be more like a mentor older sister this like badass woman you look up to um so that's what Viv represents and even internally with our team like if I had a really big pitch one day or we had an important meeting or a big activation we were running we were like okay we're channeling Viv energy today because it's this like really more in your face kind of brand than the traditional brands out there. And it is more of like about being bold and confident, honest and transparent. So we like to feel that amongst ourselves by like looking up to Viv as a being um, rather than like even just a brand. I love that. And so you've got this as like your mission or value, but how do you use that? Especially for entrepreneurs who have got a great mission, you know what you're guiding why is how do you replicate that into colors onto fonts onto branding onto designs like where do you find that transition from like the ideas in your head to putting it down on paper I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with but you've done a great job at that thanks um I I love branding it's a big component and then now I have a team that does a lot of like content and design along with me and um for a while that was like something that was so important to us because we're entering this industry that has like very traditional like colors and patterns and like floral everything and people like skipping. And whenever we're choosing our colors, we're a sustainable brand. And so we often see like a lot of like the leaves in green and eco-friendly brands, but we're more modern, like we're more edgy and fun and approachable than like a traditional, like eco-friendly product you would find in a store. And so it's kind of finding that intersect between like modern, fun, edgy, and like eco-friendly and and natural and sustainable. And that's where a lot of the color scheme arises with a lot of like the lighter yellows and darker greens and even like 
recently we started adding some components of a pink shade, uh, which we were really like questioning at times, like, oh, should we be adding a pink color? But people have been really like loving that one in particular and engaging with that more since it resonates so much with them. And it's also just like a very natural color as well. So those have been the more of like the background of how we come up with more of the design is intersecting all of those different messages we have. I love that. I think being like very intentional with your branding is something that Ali and I are definitely trying to channel as we build the Entrepreneurs Network. Um, Literally just as we speak, like our branding team is kind of working on a new logo and like revamping our look. Um, And I think the first time we did it, it was like we were just trying to like get something out there, but now we're like, okay, what does it look like to be like a consumer of the Entrepreneurs Network and building it from there is definitely something so important. Um, Kind of I, I, I guess I'm really curious about like what your day-to-day looks like. So you're the founder of the company, like you have a team, like what does it look like to manage a team at such a young age and also to like run a business and like raise money and like fund it and everything like that? Yeah, it's, I would say running a team is really interesting and like can be daunting at times. I'm constantly reading new books or like reading new articles or listening to podcasts about how to better be a manager um, because it's, I've like, you know, led student organizations or like led sports teams and been a leader in other aspects, but I haven't led a company before, before Viv. And so this was my first time doing that. Um, And I think being like really transparent with even my team and being like, Hey, this is the first time I've done this too. Like, I'm open to all your opinions or feedback and consistently asking for feedback, um, not only from like how Viv is operating, but like how I am doing to support them um, to best do their own job has been big for me um, because it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, I've realized. And I've really enjoyed it because I think there needs to be a lot of change in the way a lot of like managerial operations are run. And so getting to test that out on a smaller scale within a startup and within a very supportive environment. And like my team is incredibly supportive and open and like honest and like will give that feedback, which I really, really appreciate because we all just like want each other to do better. We want Viv to do well. Um, So I think having a team around you that wants you to do well and improve is like very much key to having that positive environment too. Um, since we need to all be each other's like biggest fans because running a startup is not easy. And so we need to support each other. No, that's so, so, so important. Like I love that being your own biggest fan. And I think that goes along with like periods too, because I always like, whenever I find myself like being mean or like tough on myself and I was like, I would never treat my best friend like this. Like I would never say this to her. And like, that is so mean. But I think the same with periods too. Like if you've been like, oh my God, this is so annoying. This is so embarrassing. Like if your friend came to you, was like kind of like, yes, of course. Like, oh my goodness, of course. Like you, this isn't something you'd ever be ashamed of. So I think that's such a great point you bring up. And I love that. Um, with that in mind though, I kind of want to go back to something you said earlier that I resonated with in like a strange way that you talked about shames in our life and like how periods can be a shame in our life. And I think we all have different shames. Like I want to take this even beyond just periods. What do you think are some other shames in our life that like you think people either have roots are around roots or the foundations of it lying periods or periods are maybe just like a 
a symbol for that? Like, what do you think are some of the bigger shames that you see from doing these conversations through voices of Viv and all that sort of thing? I'd love to ask that to Waylon as well. Like, what are, what's a shame that you feel in your life? And where do you think we can work together to kind of combat that or not combat, just like come to terms with it and like learn to love, I guess. Something that came up early on in my like entrepreneurial journey um, was like even telling people that I was starting a company. I felt so uncomfortable and I felt a lot of shame around it. I was just, I think at that point worried about what other people would say that they like would think it was silly or would like look at me in a different light. And so I didn't tell people for a really long time when I was doing more of the market research side that I was actually planning on making Viv a real business and kept calling it like a class project for way too long. And even though I knew I was trying to build it up to be more than that. And so I think a lot of young women who are starting companies feel a lot of shame around like being an entrepreneur for the first time, because it's like, we're not going to do everything perfectly. And even when you all were talking about creating a new logo or design and you initially just wanted to put something out there and get going, like that's exactly what you should be doing. Like we have to iterate and change over time. So it's Mm -hmm. so much better to put something out there and then continue to iterate and grow rather than never launch anything because you don't feel it's perfect. And I see that a lot amongst a lot of female entrepreneurs is they're waiting, waiting, waiting till they're ready. And it's like so many of male entrepreneurs will like pitch something on a napkin, you know, that analogy and like think it's the greatest idea ever. And we are so hard on ourselves and think everything needs to be perfect from day one. And it simply doesn't. I agree with that. And like that kind of ties into the beginning where we were talking about like imperfect, like, like being able to start, like, even if it's imperfect is something so important. Um, I think Ali, to your question, something that immediately comes to mind is the idea of like saying no feels so shameful sometimes. And like, like feeling bad by saying no, which is just like such a, like a whole other topic we could get into, but um yeah, like even when I know like I don't have time for something and I don't have the bandwidth for something, I still feel guilty for taking the time for myself and saying, hey, like I can't do this because I like want to spend time and I want to relax and I want to sleep and I want to take care of myself. Um, And like something I want to do is definitely shift the culture around that because I feel like a lot of, especially young female entrepreneurs give so much and they like, they don't take in enough. Like, if that makes sense, like they don't, they don't feel themselves enough. And part of feeling yourself is saying no. What about you, Allie? I think you both gave really, really great answers. I I so resonate with the no thing. I think something as well is the shame of not being happy all the time as well, particularly when you're, you're in the public eye, in some sense, you're out about like being shameful and saying like, I actually didn't have a great day today, or I actually am not really happy right now. I think there's definitely shame that comes to that, especially going back to this reoccurring theme that Waylon and I chat about on the podcast of being this it girl, this it girl entrepreneur who wakes up at 5 a.m. and does her thing and is so happy and living her full best life and is never sad and just cries tears of matcha and blah, 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 blah. Um, But yeah, this idea of being sad is beautiful in many ways. And like, 
when I got my period for like the second time again, like I was crying tears of happiness and sadness, just so overwhelming. And like now whenever I get my period, like I get so excited because it's like so cool to feel emotions and so cool to feel that you're like a human being. Like you feel like you're not in a simulation. Like this is the realest real life you can get. Like this is the ultimate nature proving that you are alive. Your body is working. Like it's the coolest in the world. And same with like being sad as well like I go back to the Disney movie Inside Out like absolutely fantastic it's her favorite movie (laughs) favorite movie like my entire life is revolved around Inside Out um but yeah like you need sadness in your life and it can be shameful to feel I'm sad like someone's like someone's like how are you I'm good happens if you're like no not good like you're like oh Mm, like that's not what you bring so yeah that's my thought on shame Slowly starting to wrap up, Katie, I would love to hear about what your dreams are for the future of Viv, what what you hope to see in one year, five years, 10 years in period culture. When I walk into a public bathroom, what should it look like? What should be the conversation having? uh, What should be the conversations that are happening on Boston College in 10 years in the dorms? What's going to change and how are you helping to make that change? Oh, I love this question. Um, In terms of Viv as a business, I think we still have a lot of education to do and a lot more awareness that needs to happen. Um, But we're also thinking about how to support our customers and our allies through the whole like month long cycle, we say, rather than just that like few day period. Um, And so supporting them in different ways there, whether it be through hormonal health or just like education support um, as like Viv as a friend and the other component of more of like the broader period space, um, I would love more than just like women and menstruators to be a part of the dialogue around periods. I think even when um, we were seeing a lot of the Texas abortion bans, it was at least in my feed and my social channels, predominantly just women speaking out and when there are other major social movements happening, I have seen more of a balance between male and female representation there. And I don't think like men are speaking up enough as allies for women's bodies. And I think that can relate more to even like period culture and um, like reproductive rights. And so whether that, when that round table occurred with it just being women, I would love for it to eventually be men and women together being able to like speak up and support a menstruator in their lifetime. Um, I always think about like entering a public bathroom and such. And when you see free period products, you, I get like immense joy and we have a few partnerships and things happening with universities and like co-working spaces and fitness studios where it'll be free for like the people attending, which is really exciting. Cause I think accessibility around menstruation is something that needs to be solved. And it's really cool to see like with major companies, they have all these other health benefits, but they're not providing like something as basic as free menstrual products in their bathroom and how to have someone who's like very corporate and formal, like engage in this conversation as well is really important too. So I'm hoping all of that translates over and it's more than just um, a startup discussion or an entrepreneurial discussion around like menstruation being in more places and hopefully it does translate more into like the corporate world as well yeah for sure I think that 
That's such an important, like period product accessibility is definitely something that I think a lot about. Um, in my sophomore and junior year, we did a like a service trip to India and we were talking to some of the girls there and they say that like one of the largest problems of like why they can't go to school sometimes or like why some of them don't finish their education is because once they get their period, they don't have like products to help them so they use like rags or they use like tissue paper that they can find to stop like to like um like absorb the bleeding and so they have to stay at home or they have to like sit on the toilet like for three days straight while they have their period and um I think a lot about that just because like accessibility to pads to me just feels like something that every like woman should have the right to have access to it um and the fact that so much of our world doesn't have access to it is um truly heartbreaking. But um, on that kind of divergent, um, to end us off, we love to ask our guests, like, what is something that you want to leave on the table for future female entrepreneurs, for younger girls? Um, what is something that you want to leave on the table? Yeah, um, I think beyond just like, even the representation, I don't see a lot of young entrepreneurs that look like me, have a similar background and that's a major component, but also having them feel comfortable enough to <clears throat> start imperfectly and to create something first that isn't going to be awesome, but you're going to iterate and change over time and being more comfortable like with starting with something that you don't absolutely think is perfect. Um, so more transparency there is something I'm working on. And like even looking back at the first Viv box we ever launched I'm like very embarrassed of I'm like oh my god who let me launch that this is hideous and it's so funny because in the moment you're like this is awesome like this is my first product this is what I'm launching and that's how it should be and if I didn't start there and launch this thing that I think is now terrible like we wouldn't have grown and learned so much along the way so just being really okay with like starting off imperfect is what I'd love to leave I love that I love 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 that and I guess with that note, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Everyone go check out Viv. We'll have everything linked about Viv and Katie below so you guys can check it out, support. And we'll also, if Katie, if you want to share with us any resources um, about learning about periods and things like that, we'd be happy to put links and stuff below or even do like a social post about that period awareness. I think that could be a really cool opportunity. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a lovely experience to chat with you and just to share our stories and really get intimate and vulnerable. I think that's so special, but thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. That wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you learned a lot about Katie, how to create purpose-driven branding and the future of period care. Great. Thanks to Stephanie and Will for producing this podcast. Check out our past episodes and look out for our upcoming episodes featuring inspiring female entrepreneurs through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. To stay updated and involved, join the Entrepreneurs Network community on our Instagram and LinkedIn and get in touch with us to share your very own entrepreneurial journey.